Kia ora and welcome to the fourth episode of Tupatoa Talanoa. You have myself, Shivani Rajan, and I am a navigator here, and I'll pass it off to my colleague to introduce herself. Kia ora, my name is Ihi Pera Happy, also a navigator here at Tupatoa. Really excited about today because we've got an impressive waikine sitting with us, um, who we're just going to go straight into things. So, um, Kari, I'll get you to introduce yourself, um, no hea koe, ko wai koe, and um, what cohort did you come, like, what, which cohort were you a part of, where you interned and where you are now? So, um, my name's Rahira, I'm born and bred in the far north, um, in a little town called Kaikohe, um, and I was an intern part of the 2019-2020 cohort. Um, I did my internship at Open Transport, and um, since then I've sort of moved through their uh, recruitment process and now landed there um, permanently as a Māori Outcomes Advisor. Um, yeah, so I'm just pretty much a far north girl through and through. I um, moved down to Tamaki when I was 14 um, for high school and university and yeah, pretty much just been here since, trying to fill my kete and lap up all the knowledge that I can to eventually take it home um, one day, so. Kia ora. Beautiful, thank you for introducing yourself. <coughs> so what we're gonna do next is time travel a bit and we're going to go back to when you were a kid and I'm gonna ask you about little Rahira. Can you please tell me what she was like and what did she wanna be when she was older? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think as a baby, I was very chubby. <laughs> um, I was like, and I had the chingiest little eyes um, and my mum had one of those bowl cut haircuts for me. So, you know, oh there's that meme that's like, you can't hear me, I had this haircut <laughs> right here. Um, and she still doesn't know why she gave me that haircut, but apparently I just like loved it so much anyway. Um, I guess as a kid, I was like super curious, um, very observant. I was kind of, I was quite quiet. Um, but my grandparents always said that I had like the best laugh. I used to like crack up at nothing. Um, and I always wanted to be like at Nanny and Papa's house or um, some of my best memories, I think. I like sitting underneath my great grandma's feed jar tree and like literally falling asleep there and everyone's looking for me and I'm like tucked away underneath the feed jar tree, like just crashed out on a rock. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I was just very like, how do I say? I was quite, um, like, envisioned myself as just living in my own world, like, with my whanau, and that's pretty much as far as my horizons uh, went. In terms of what I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be a florist and a teacher. Um, so I, I always used to um, <laughs> play with my little brother, make him sit down, and I'd be the teacher and, like, you know, talk to him and stuff like that. This is us in our little garage. Um, so that's sort of where I wanted to go as a kid um, but yeah I was pretty much just like a little pretty power against my nanny and papa um, really had a tight-knit relationship with my cousins mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, I just remember always being at Nanny and Papa's house, having a big cry, everyone playing out, you know, playing houses with the trees and teachers, <laughs> and then we'd all just do like what I saw was in Nanny's house. So I think as a kid, that sort of that was where my like prize positions lay yeah. was in the like the funner space. Yeah. So you spoke a little bit about wanting to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. How did you find yourself studying? What are you management and marketing? Is yeah. Um, I think I just sort of I had some really good teachers growing up um, and then some not so good teachers and it just made me think like if I could impact someone's life throughout their learning journey um, where would I want to be and I couldn't actually decide on like where I had the most impact like from in terms of like high school intermediate Um, so I sort of Instead of going through teaching school, I just thought about like the fundamentals of what you know what makes up a good relationship, what makes up a good person, pretty much. Um, and I wanted to see what that looked like in the business world or corporate world. So um, yeah, I just sort of ended up going down that road. I fell in love with like the HR space, um, like building relationships and making sure that people, I guess, like get a fair go at um, whatever they want to do. So yeah, I think. When I think about it now, um, there is potential for teaching, like, but just not in a classroom setting, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like you were pretty confident and sure about what you wanted to study and do with your life. Mm. So my next question is, how did you end up with Tupata? How did you connect with us? I had a pretty different journey, actually. Um, I did hear about Tupata and stuff like that through university. Um, but I never really thought, like, looked at it or heard about it and thought, yep, that's me, I'm going to go there. Um, it wasn't until I got my first internship um, back up north with the Department of Corrections. Um, and even though I wasn't part of the internship program with Tupoto, I was invited to, um, like, the webinars and the sort of whakawhanaunga tunnel things that they had. So I'd sit in, like, the rooms at the offices. I'm completely out of, you know, out of scope of anything that I wanted to do. And then... Um, I think it was Sione and Maruata were presenting and they just talked about, you know, what the kaupapa was of Tukutua, um, how to get involved and sort of what their vision was for the future. And so I just remember thinking, like, oh, that would be, like, such a cool place that I'd like to visit. And then when my internship finished and I came back down to Auckland, um, the, like, one of the fire at uni um, that helped us out a lot in the Māori Student Association was just like, oh, you know, application's open, um, you guys should really apply and, you know, just see where it goes. And so, yeah, that was pretty much my roundabout way of getting involved in Tupatua. I think I heard enough about it or was curious enough and then, yeah, just took the plunge and... <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so you're at 18 now, right? Um, in a space where you could have a massive impact on our people, especially with an AT. What are some challenges as a wahine Māori what challenges have you faced within the, the corporate space? Um, I think first of all is like representation. Um, it's hard. I mean, open transport's predominantly male-dominated. Um, engineering and stuff like that. And coming from a business background, it was a little bit unconventional. Um, but I think for me, yeah, it's just like finding wahine that are just as passionate like as you are about the communities and um, finding people who have some experience that you can learn from um, that was something that took me a while to sort of 
open up and come out of my shell to be, um, I guess, a bit more vulnerable with people. Because, mm. you know, at uni, you sort of paint this picture of I need to have all of these things on my CV, I need to look a certain way, feel a certain way, speak a certain way. Um, and by the time I got into the corporate world, I was really accustomed to those thoughts. Mm. And so, I guess, if I think about my true self or my authenticity, I didn't. Mm. I can't, like, hand or heart say that I was showing up to work every day as me and as I wanted to be. Um, but since then, like, I've got some, I guess, good bearings and some good networks in with, like, Wahine Māori as well and can openly talk about things that frustrate me, even, though, you know, even things within my organisation. Like, not everyone's perfect and not everything's going to be the best, but... Um, I think that was something that took me a long while to come to terms with for myself. Um, you know, when people say, oh, you can just be yourself, it's fine. Mm. And then you sort of go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But inside you're still like, you know, yeah. locking the gates away and sort of suppressing um, that, I guess, anxiety that you have uh, in the workplace. Um, but yeah, I think if there's one thing that I go out of my way to do is that when there are more wahine Māori coming into the organisation I like you know make sure that they know that I'm here and you know I've been through the same sort of experiences and if they need to talk to anyone that there's a safe space um, here to do it so yeah I think that's like the importance of making sure like we always talk about bringing our authentic selves to Mahi mm-hmm. right but how can you do that if the spaces are created for you to be able to do so so it's yeah. awesome to hear that you are creating that space for the next generation mm-hmm. powerful mahi my friend <laughs> um shana did you want to ask a question sorry i'm chatting no you're good okay carry on um i, w- I want to ask this question i mean you, you you spoke a little bit about um you know your coming into the corporate space like we spoke we spoke before the cameras came on about um your journey to Auckland mm. and we kind of breeze past that and mm. I feel like it's important that we bring this up here because there's a lot of people who come from rural communities who mm. have moved to Auckland mm. because the opportunities aren't as um, great in those spaces. Can you like touch a little bit about that and, and your move here? Yeah definitely. Um, so I guess I come from a bit of a blended whanau. Um, I've only got one full sibling but you know I've got my siblings who are not full blood for me are my four siblings to me um and like growing up I guess in a small community everyone knew everyone so like you know you could just walk past someone and they're like oh that's so-and-so's kid or you know or you you couldn't even get in trouble because they're like who's your nanny and you're like <laughs> and then you can't even lie because they're like oh no you know so you come to dairy and buy lollies of you know nanny dahira um so yeah I think coming from such a tight-knit where you still felt like you were connected, like if you were in trouble, you still knew that you were safe, there was still somewhere to go, people knew who you were. Um, so going from something like that, or even schools, like I knew every single person in my school, my primary school, my intermediate school, and then moving to Auckland, um, like the culture shock and just the different environments, like even um, like Māori people down here are completely different yes. to the way, like the sort of Māori people that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I went from a school of about 300 people to a school of 1.5 thousand (laughs) and that was like, yeah, it was really hard for me to like find a grounding space. Mm. Um, luckily I went through bilingual like schooling throughout, um, so I didn't get to like go to Kura Kaupapa or Kohangareo, but 
I think bilingual schooling helped me to navigate what that felt like as a Māori person moving down to Auckland um, with my dad. And so, yeah, I guess that's just something that has always stayed with me. Even now, sometimes Auckland just freaks me out. I'm mm. like, damn, I need to get home. Like, I need to go home, reground, feel like I, you know, repurpose myself yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, and I think when I meet new people... I can almost tell when they're from rural communities, you know, the, the way that they are, the way that I feel when I meet them. Accent like, now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and even things like that, like small things like that, um, you know, I was like, am I too hoary? And, <laughs> and, you know, and then I go back up north and everyone's like, oh, you know, like, oh, moved to Auckland for a few years and, yeah, you know, like, look at, look at you in your clothes and I'm like, oh, I'm like, shush, man. Like, you know, but I think between there, like, it's all been good stuff. It's all been, like, growth and like ways of me trying to express myself and find my own sort of story or journey um but yeah I think I don't know if if I could give any advice for people moving out of their hometowns is just like stick to it Mm. um there was plenty of times where I just wanted to pack up and move home couldn't deal couldn't handle um missed my mum missed my grandparents and stuff like that but I just I'm really grateful that I stuck in for myself because I mean I'm here now and I know that I couldn't have got the growth and opportunities that I have now if I stayed up north and if I stayed in my my town um, I was just telling Shivani before as well like the friends that I had at school you know these are the friends that you'd sit and have your lunch with and be like man we're gonna take on the world you know we're gonna go we're gonna travel everywhere we're gonna go to America we're gonna you know and like just had this like overwhelming feeling of like it's us against the world really and then because I moved away um many of my friends stayed at home and um even when I see them now it's like amazing to think that you know we were those kids that were talking about taking on the world gonna go everywhere like you know side by side like never gonna break us apart to um yeah just taking our own paths and going different ways Mm. um but I think everyone's ended up in I guess in the places that they wanted to be or the places that were for them so, um, so yeah I think it's just important that even though you move away it's always you got to go home you got to yes. reconnect because that's that's part of your story that's part of who you were and how you came to be so yeah you touch a lot on the importance of, of grounding yourself mm. and being able to go back home to refill your cup uh, my next question would be can you please share some of the cultural values that you have that are instilled in you, you know, they're in your blood and that you think has helped to contribute to where you are today? Um, oh, that's a good question. I think first and foremost is probably manakitanga. Um, and, you know, manakitanga is not necessarily the care that you show others, but the care that you show for yourself as well. So um, that's something that I struggled with a lot, like the imposter syndrome, mm. you know, like, got to do better, got to do better. Um, I never took the time to stop and like reflect and be like oh you know at least I made it this far I might not you know get everything done in the day but I've you know I've I've got these things to be grateful for um so yeah I would say manakitanga is the top thing that I look for in people and the the thing that I like to give to people as well and you know when they come up to my house or they come to the building making sure that everyone's comfortable and things like that um uh, I guess another value would probably be just like humari mm. or like you know just humility in itself knowing that 
um, you know, you, you come from so many different stories, but you're allowed to have your own story as well. You're allowed to be who you want to be, um, even if that's different to, you know, what everyone sort of pegged you for or um, decided for you once upon a time. Um, yeah, and I think there's, like, power and humility and the way that you hold yourself um, and greet people and, you know, just respecting yeah. others, I think. Um yeah, I guess, I mean, I'm not the best at it all the time, I must say, <laughs> but, you know, when you need to be, like, just that self-checking and, yeah, yeah that's what sort of helps me go on myself, is, like, am I being humble, am I being, um, am I doing things that I would like to, you know, receive on my end, or um, is that sort of the lasting impression that I want to keep, mm. or is it something that I need to change, do I need to revert, or something like that, so, yeah, I think... I'll just leave that too. Maybe. Cool. It's beautiful. Both yeah. beautiful. And different takes on both of them. Mm. You know, most of the time we think about manaki tanga, about other people. Yeah. But, but, but obviously filling our cup is really important first. So beautiful. Love that. Self-care all the way. <laughs> um, you spoke a little bit about wanting to show or giving advice to people um, coming down to Auckland and, and, you know, sticking to it. Mm. Can, we, can we touch a little bit about uh, a little bit on um, how it felt coming into either either university or, or corporate mm. with a name that is hearty as yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What sort of challenges have you faced with that? Because I, you know, I, I'm speaking from my own experience. I've, I've felt that as well. Mm. So um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Um, that's another great question. So. The, I guess, origins of my name, Dahira, I'm named after my um, grandmother on my dad's side. So my nanny, oh, we call her my mum. Um, so I was given her name, um, not for any particular reason, but just because, you know, like, it's a beautiful name, was handed on to me. And I remember being younger, <laughs> you know, I was called um, Raiha. <laughs> I was mm. called, I think I've been called Rai Mary before, but hey! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so like I've always struggled with balancing those two things out. Like I'm lucky to have this name, but then man, I wish I had a different name. Mm. Or you know, like if I could just be known as something else, or if everyone could just pronounce it and save me like the like anxiety of like mm. having to correct someone or go out of my way to like reaffirm yes, that's my name or. No, you spelled it wrong, but this is how you do spell it. Um, and I actually did shorten my name through school just to Ra. Um, and now I really don't mind it. Before it was, you know, just to make it easier for other people. Um, now I really don't mind it because when someone calls me Ra, I know that they know me, mm. you know, quite well. Um, it's like my nickname, but I do really appreciate when someone says my name properly like it's almost like I like whoa like, can you say it again like you know like, it's, like it's almost like you're reminding me who, what my name actually yes. is um yeah and so in the corporate world I guess there is a bit of a tendency to just shorten people's mm. names even without you know asking them like I've been called Ra just instantly instead of being like oh my name is I had it but you can call me Ra um and to be honest, I've never really pulled it up because um, I'm just sort of like, is that a battle that I want to, you know, can I be bothered um, going down this road and putting so much energy into something that might not change or is just going to make me feel worse um, by the end of it. Um, but through school and stuff like that, everyone 
at least tried mm. like my teachers at least tried to say my name properly um I'm lucky that I'm in a Māori team now because you know they can they can say my name properly um but yeah I think I've stopped saying you can call me Rock oh. and say my name's Rahira you know and then everyone you know I appreciate it when people are like so you can just say that again for me or can you write it down um and then you know I'll sound it out for them um another thing that I sort of struggled with which is probably not common for my name but like people can roll the second R but not the first one <laughs> so you know they say they call me Rahira and I'm like oh, you're yes, halfway yeah, yeah. and then I'm like Rahira and they're like yeah Rahira <laughs> Yes. Okay. Like, like Rotorua. Oh, yeah. Rotorua. Yeah. 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 And so I was sort of like, oh, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought that was a bit interesting. Yeah. Maybe interesting. it's starting off because the R sound is quite breathy. Yeah. You yeah. have to put some breath into yeah. it to start it off, and so maybe some people find it difficult to do that. Yeah. Um, that's funny, and I think a lot of our people. Māori and Pacific can resonate with having to deal with this Mm -hmm. and it's cool to hear that you you just stick with Rahira, that's who you are it's like yeah it gives me purpose, I'm intentional about when I say my name Yeah, and I think um, I'm going to name my kids Māori names as well because I'm just like you know what, (laughs) okay that's fine like don't do me back now Yeah. yeah But I think it's just like that appreciation for my name's growing. I know I've always had my name, but I never really appreciated it until mm. now. And it's got like a story and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. People behind it. Yeah. Beauty. <laughs> and it's hearty. <laughs> Powerful name. <clears throat> so you touched on your current mahi at the moment. Um, I'm curious about your today journey, mm. and I'm well, I'm going to assume that it's something you grew up with. And yes, I want to unpack that more and hear how that has contributed to your, your mahi today. Um, so, I, like I said, I didn't go through kohanga reo or akura kaupapa. I wish I did. If I could go back and ask my parents again, mm-hmm. I would. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, I mainly grew up with my mum. She raised all us four kids. And um, that her side of the whanau aren't... Um, really like embedded in Te Reo Māori like you know we had the basics of tikanga and stuff mm. like that we, I knew that I was Māori and I was proud to be Māori um, and I knew my whakapapa and everything like that but my Te Reo was always something that was sort of on and off mm. um, and on my dad's side however they're really not to Te Reo so um, my nanny and papa they dedicated their whole lives to Te Reo Māori pretty much um, and I think my Te Reo journey like is in between both of those, I guess, worlds, um, balancing them both out, because I knew there was an understanding from my mum's side, but then I knew there was knowledge on my dad's side, and I didn't always feel comfortable going, you know, always onto my dad's side, because, you know, I was, like, one of the only cousins that didn't have te reo growing up, Um, and then I felt really comfortable almost, like, leading the tau Māori sort of kaupapa on my, on my mum's side in the whanau um, and so I sort of just grew up in between both worlds and never really knew when a good time would be to just step straight into it um, and it wasn't until I was actually in Auckland that I saw even though I didn't think I had much deal how much more I had than others and yeah. I'm like damn like you know like that's special like that's something that I can't lose like you know it's something that was given to me by my father and I should 
be able to give that on to other people or like encourage other people through it mm-hmm. using it um, and so my mahi now I think um, I did the graduate program and so I was in my team as a graduate first moved out sort of thought I wanted to end up in the HR space like sort of a generalist type of role um, but then as like the recruitment went on and I saw there was less and less Māori being um, you know brought into the organisation less Māori applying less Māori you know just coming to like the careers days and stuff like that and I thought you know what like I can't make much of an impact um, in these predominantly Pākehā spaces if I don't actually know what's happening in our communities if I don't actually know what people do or don't know about in transport so um, that's why I moved into the team that I'm in now um, and it was a bit of a struggle because you know it, people always tell you oh, and I've been told this like myself I'm trying not to get you know lock yourself down into Māori roles yeah um, like you know as good as they are they're still only Māori roles yeah. and you're probably going to get paid less you're probably um, you know going to have less wow. growth or you know movement in the thing and you're career and stuff like that and so it's it it freaked me out for a little bit but I got to a point where I was like look this is the role that I actually want this Mm -hmm. is the role that I think I can actually make some impact or difference in um and so since then yeah I've just been supported to like figure out where my place is in the team and what I actually want to do um yeah so I guess going from mentality of like need to get everything need to have everything got to prove everybody wrong to just okay I can do this but (laughs) um and if I do that the best that I can then you know that's enough and I'm just gonna like tell myself that's enough you know someone's gonna be able to pick that up in the future and then go ahead with it so yeah yeah, I guess in terms of today um it's still a journey that I'm on um I do want to do like a full immersion course um, soon, like mm. within the next year, um, once I guess I get a little bit more flexibility with mm. my hay and things like that. But yeah, it's just been like engraved in me, and I guess yeah, like my name was just growing to appreciate it more and more. And where I can at my hay, I put it in, and you know, like unapologetically put it in. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm not even gonna translate that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I think just at work, like, having casual spaces as well. We've got, like, a network and stuff like that that we just catch up for lunch and just speak to you. And there's no um, expectations. There's no, like, limitations. Like, you know, if you get it wrong, oh, well, you know, we're speaking to you. And that's that's what's building the culture, I guess, Mm. for everybody. Um, But, yeah, I love learning about everyone else's to journeys as well um, because I know mine's quite... Um, yeah, like I said, in between, I love meeting people that are just not so like hearty as gone through Kura and everything. I'm like, yes, like, and then other people who, are, you know, yeah. just reconnecting with the Marae or mm. the ancestry, and yeah, so yeah, it's been definitely an asset, something mm. that I wear probably. It's beautiful, <laughs> and like, I know I'm similar on the same journey as you, and something that I struggle with personally. Mm is this idea of whakama that mm. comes up all the time. Do you ever get that when you get up and speak in Te Reo Māori? Um, and how do you deal with that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think... I don't know, when I think about whakama, I think about, like, you know, back in the days where, like, 
fucking well was something that was like put on you yeah. you didn't you know you didn't feel it was like well you should be ashamed to yeah. speak to their mother you should feel uncomfortable talking to me in your mother tongue yeah. um and so like the concept of whakama for me is that um i don't consider it like shyness mm-hmm. i don't consider it something that i feel and then put out it's yeah. more something that just exists outside of me and i'm like oh it might be a bit scary but i'm gonna do it anyway um but yeah i definitely get really anxious speaking in front of people generally um but i sort of use te reo as like an icebreaker for me mm. so like when we have fucking for night i'm like right this is gonna be where i get out all my nerves people about myself <laughs> you know it might come out a bit like you know lopsided yeah. or all over the place but at least through today I'm like able to like calm myself down and then I can speak yeah whatever however in whatever language um but yeah I think it's just a testament to like my upbringing Mm. like we were never like shamed for speaking today um not like our grandparents were or anything Mm. like that but yeah I guess it's just something that I used to battle the that potential feeling of whakama is supposed to feel in whakama and then still having to speak it yeah i don't even know if that makes sense but yeah, yeah i kind of get what you're, you're talking about yeah. i love that it's not a you problem though like yeah, you yeah. Said that, like it just exists yeah like it was put on us yeah i'm, I'm i shouldn't be shy to speak my mm. own language my my mother tongue it's beautiful and our tereo especially yes <laughs> exactly and mm. everyone's on their journey Barney's yeah. learning to tell maori kia ora she's Love fluent <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes i am <laughs> Um, that was beautiful korero thank you for sharing that so here at Tupatoa we are all about growing Māori and Pacifica leaders for a greater Aotearoa Mm. what does being a leader look like to you? Um, I guess it's like sort of something that's always resonated with me about leadership is that it's not a position you have or a title or a role or a status it's a behaviour. So, mm. you know, you, you're you a leader within yourself in certain contexts. Um, I think what's most important or what I resonate with most um, or see a good leader being is someone who knows when to pull back. So, you know, it's like leaders are not always at the front. They're, you know, showing everyone. I'm like, the greatest leaders that I see are the people at the back. Wow. Making sure that everything's in place, you know, everyone's taken care of, again, that manakitana thing. Um, and but then knowing when it's time to step forward so mm. you know if, if there's something that you're really good at um, going forward and be like yeah, I can do that and taking the lead for that and then pulling back when oh yeah I'm not sure about that yeah. but this song so is really yeah. good at that and mm. I think yeah a good leader just knows how to yeah like read the room and know when the right place and the right time is to stand up and, and do something but then also take a step back and allow someone else to come through um I know we talk about like a lot about servant leadership like mm. in our cultures and stuff like that and I always I always love that you know like um, if you can't if you can't empathise with someone and help them grow then who are you to stand in front of them and tell them that they're you know that they're only this much mm. or they, won't, they can only go so far um, yeah so I think and I've had lots of leaders in my life like be able to do that for me even people that I thought like man you know they're such a hard ass or like why are they you know why they're like that it's not that deep or anything like that whereas now I'm like damn like, you know they really push you out mm. of my comfort zone and like grateful for that cool. um, 
yeah so I think in terms of leadership it's not it's not like a tangible thing that you can pick up and put down it's something that yeah it's the way you behave it's the way that you are the way you hold yourself and yeah. allow for other people to come through because yeah I just I don't really understand this like hierarchy yeah. you know one person at the top and everyone below yeah. them it's like what like you can't do everything though mm-hmm. yeah. you know some people are better at things than others and that's all good but if we're not creating the space for people to move up and come with us then how can we call ourselves a leader because if we you know when we die or whatever that's it it's over mm-hmm. if you don't hand anything on then yeah. dies with you yeah mama mm-hmm. too yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I love that. I love that kind of sustainable for Carol. Um, on that note, who have been some great leaders that have influenced you? Mm, I think from Tokuto, definitely Sione. Um, mm. uh, and that's like. Sensei Sione. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I think he's just. He sees things in you that you don't see yeah. things in yourself yet. Like, and even when he speaks about analogies and stuff like that, like. He always blows my mind up and then just leaves it there and then walks around. I'm like, like, hello, like, you can't just drop a bomb on me like that and then, you know, walk away. But I think he's just got like a, like, it's like magical how he almost like just like holds up a mirror and it's like, and then you're sort of like, yeah, and then he's sort of like, yeah, and then leaves you to it. It's like, like, it's frustrating, but it's like, (laughs) yeah, it's like, you're annoying me, but like, okay like <laughs> what can I do now um with that so I think yeah Sione in terms of mentorship and stuff like that I've learned a lot about myself just by the way that he's yeah sees things in me um some other great leaders I guess that I've had is there's like this one teacher at school um his name is Mr Feely and he was my accountant teacher and I ran out of um, options to pick, so I had to do accounting. I was not good at maths, and so I thought everything was mathematical. I was, like, literally crying to my dad, like, I don't want to do this. Like, I want to do cooking, or I want to do dance, or, you know, some of the fun stuff that everyone gets to do. And he was like, well, that's the last option. You're going to have to do it. And, um, yeah, I remember going into the class, and I was like, I'm not good at maths. Like, I'm just going to suck at this class, no matter what. And, like, he was the ultimate teacher to, like, literally roast you. Like, he was like, are you done? Like, if you're crying, you'd be like... He's yeah. done. Come on now. And then, yeah, and he's sort of like, oh, man, like, can we do this? And, but he, like, really broke things down, like, for me and, like, um, made sure that I was okay doing what I wanted to do, not, like, you know, he's like, yeah, you need to pass this, but just do what you can because if you can't get all the way there, then, you know, it's not going to matter at the end of the day. Um, yeah, and he was just always really good at making people feel included. Like, I was the only Māori... Yeah. in my class in my whole class and there was like I guess like 30 of us um, and so yeah and he always just you know was when we had like examples and things like that he would like go out of his way to use like Māori examples or use a Māori name um, and yeah just like little things like that just to make me feel more comfortable and I ended up loving accounting and stuff like that and that's another big reason why I went into business too because I was like oh it's just formulas it's just you know ideas and things like that that you pick up and put into different places not necessarily Algebra, oh. <laughs> things like that that I didn't that I didn't like like and I wasn't really good at. So um, yeah, I think yeah, if I think about teachers and like mentors and things like that. It's just people who give without expectation mm. or anything back. Because then you get to a point and then you just feel overwhelmed with like gratitude and then now you want to give back whether they like it or not. 
um, yeah, that's no, the same, you know, like with Sylvia, like, you know, complimenting stuff, and it's, ah, oh, no, it's really, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, like, believe it, yeah, 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 like, you're the man, <laughs> yeah, so, um, I've had lots of, like, female leaders as well, just, you know, people that are just absolutely fearless, like, yeah. that could just Love walk that. into a room, and you don't know who they are, but you know who they are, like, you know, yeah. like, I don't know exactly what you are, but you're here to do something, like, you know, like, and I'm here for it, like, you know, you just want to, like, like someone walks in, um, and again, like, I think, from a wahine perspective, it's, that's never in vain, like, you know, the way that um, a female leader holds herself is never because they just woke up one day and was like, yep, I'm just going to stand like this, talk like this, be like this. Yeah. It's like, no, that was like him from crying or, you know, struggling and like not being heard and being silenced to just, you know, like breaking that, that wall, that internal wall or just invisible wall and being like, right, this is where I'm at now. No one's going to tell me otherwise. So, yeah, I think in terms of leadership and leaders that I look up to, it's just people who can just give up that mm. energy without even a word being spoken. Yeah, sorry, that's right. It's going to be you one day, well, probably already is. Yeah. So we spent, um, I reckon, quite a bit of time talking about the past and where you are now. And so naturally, I want to know about the future. So thinking about where to next for you, where do you see yourself? Um, that's a good question. I think in terms of location, um, I see myself still in Aotearoa, not necessarily in Tamaki, but um, somewhere that's different enough for me to grow, but not too different for me to freak out. Um, I definitely want to move um, away from the public sector okay. and sort of broaden my horizons a little bit, see what um, some of the other businesses are doing. Um, and. I guess just to add on to that a little bit more is because in my mahi or in the mahi that I'm most familiar with, lots of it's like obligations. So mm-hmm. like you know you must adhere to the um, principles of the treaty. You must do this. You must do that. And it's almost like there's like a bare minimum standard that everyone's meeting and like sometimes you know exceeding, which is good. Yeah. But I feel like that's something that I want to see change and want to experience it in like I guess a private sector where they don't have those lines, they don't have legislation where you have to do this, it's just purely what they want to do, like yeah. culture and what they believe and I just want to see how, um, yeah I guess how strong that actually is in the corporate world here in Aotearoa. Um, I'd love to do more like community based stuff, um, get back into like, I don't know, even like coaching or something like that my like nephews sports teams like things like that that would just bring like little pockets of joy and help me to release the stress from like corporate world that's so like planned out and you know organized and put together I just want to do something completely like different like that that can um I guess fuck a water a little bit of that um yeah just that heavy heaviness um in the near future, um, I don't really know. Vietnam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, again, through my really good friends at Tupatua, I'm able to, like, go to Vietnam. So, 
that's been like a massive step for me. It was supposed to happen a few years ago, but um, COVID and everything happened. And so I'll be going in November uh, for two months. So pretty much moving completely away. Um, Luckily, I know most of the people in the group, which is good. Um, And so I'll be with, you know, friends, people who think like me, look like me, Mm. and then can sort of support me in the way. all the way over there Um, but I think I just really want to learn from like their cultures you know values see what's like similar about us and then see what's different and appreciate that different perspective and mindset and just learn new things so um, yeah that's going to be interesting Mm -hmm. I think it could go either way for me like it'll make me miss home and then never want to leave or I'll be like wow there's so much out there I just want to go see the world (laughs) bye work like (laughs) things like that yeah 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 I'm out of here um, but yeah, I just I just want to be more intentional about where I put my energy, where I put my time. Um, make sure I nurture like some of the friendships and connections that I've made, especially this year, post COVID and things like that. Um, but yeah, I just want to like stay in touch with you guys and give back as much as I can to the Tofana and the movement. Well, they say once you're part of us, you never leave. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll be with us forever. Um, I think the first time we met, you were actually called upon to do a um, panel, uh, to speak on right, our panel for yes, our onboarding yes. day. So get ready for some more. <laughs> um, how are we doing for time? Okay, so we're kind of, just to close things off, mm-hmm. we've kind of stolen um, some... Ficado? Yeah, Ficado from another podcaster who we probably shouldn't name aka Megan Um, (laughs) but we've adapted it to us so it's called she calls it three words we'll call it it's all in our kupu so first question to you is can you um, describe in three words who you were before you came through to to Mm -hmm. Butoa so the first word will probably be reserved Mm -hmm. Um, second kapu would be, um, I guess, like, naive, Ooh, a little bit. Okay. Um, and then, probably a bit, like, what do you call it? Um, well, it's more than one word, but like, self-sabotaging, mm, almost. Okay. Yeah. Before Tupito, I think I just see myself as like very in a box, had a like quite a narrow mindset on what I wanted for myself and not necessarily being strong enough to open up to other opportunities. Mm. Yeah, so that's definitely before. (laughs) And then one of the last parts I have for today is what are three words you would use to describe yourself now? Um, I think like connected mm. um, and that's like connected outside of home like not not always relying on going home to find my thing now um, I can find it here in Tamaki with the people that I've met so yeah connected um, I'd say like oh not <laughs> I was going to say stretchy but <laughs> not like flexible like, I can't do that but like in terms of like I'm allowing myself to like do different things mm. so like I'm able to yeah like ad- adaptable stretchy. yeah yeah that's stretchy. <laughs> she's stretchy adaptable yeah put that stretchy um yeah adaptable so I think yeah I'm just like 
it's just easier for me now to like get over myself mm-hmm. get over my nerves and then just get into what needs to be done and, and appreciate um, the opportunities and then the last cover would probably be um, just like unapologetic yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah I'm just like that's it and it's all good that it's just that mm. so yeah yeah. So that's you're, enough. you're connected, yeah. you're stretchy, <laughs> and you're unapologetic. Yeah. I add one more to that? I think you're really powerful. Well, I think thanks. you um, put it in your pocket. Accept <laughs> <laughs> the compliment. I think you um, are paving the way for a lot of our people, especially our, our whanau up north. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to do a massive mahi to you, my friend. And thank you so much for joining us today and, um, you know, getting the last-minute call-up. Um, but, yeah, your kōrero was... Thanks, <laughs> was beautiful. Any last words there, Vani? That was all. Just a big mahi to you, Rahira, for joining us today. Thank you guys as well for this opportunity. I'm glad I did it now, so... Yeah. Yeah. yeah.